Greetings, friends. It is the weekend of Sunday, September the 5th. Happy Labor Day to you and yours. I hope that you all are doing well. We're going to have a short little two-week series, if you will, sermon series, uh, that are two different topics that are that are intricately linked together. The first one being discipleship, which we will talk about this week. And then next week, this idea of service. So discipleship and service, eating and, and being served, feeding ourselves and feeding others. There's a lots of different ways to look at that. And, and as a matter of fact, here at Benedict Christian Fellowship, and, and this is taken straight from our, uh, our, our history, our past, and is, and is found and can be found on our church website. Um, but at Benedict Christian Fellowship, we have, we have vision, we have mission, and we have values. And our vision is that as a community, we're going to focus on the gospel of Jesus, and we're going to grow in our faith. And then our mission is to bring glory to God. And there's lots of different ways we're going to do that. And we have this nice little acrostic that spells out fellowship. And with beside each of those letters, there's a way that we want to bring glory to God by our fellowship. And then, so, so that's vision and then mission. And then our values, these are things that we value, how we're going to do that. And if we, we, we believe in hospitality. Uh, we value community. We value um, evangelism. We value prayer. And we value discipleship. Discipleship. We're committed to the individual and the small group discipleship. We grow together in Jesus through his word. Iron sharpens iron. So what is discipleship and why is it in fact important? You know, as Christians, as believers, as ministry leaders, we talk a lot about discipleship and we need, we say we need to make disciples and we quote Matthew 28, 18 through 20 about as often as we stir our coffee in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. But what does that really mean? Is there any solid information and practical application for me to live out the mandate that Jesus has clearly laid out in his scriptures? Well, Dallas Willard has said, since making disciples is the main task of the church, every church ought to be able to answer these questions. First of all, what is our plan for making disciples of Jesus? And secondly, is our plan working? Neil Cole says this, ultimately, each church will be evaluated by only one thing, its disciples. Your church is only as good as its disciples. It does not matter how good you are, your praise, your preaching, your programs, or property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumerist, and not moving in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not doing well. Wow, that's harsh. It's thrilling to share in the joy of someone coming to the Lord, coming to Jesus. It's wonderful to see God bring new life to someone, to see someone literally cross over from death into life. But what new Christians, what new believers, and all believers who have been walking with Jesus for years have to realize is that becoming a Christian is just the first step. 
being a Christian isn't something that you do one time and then only give sort of half-hearted allegiance afterwards. You see, being a Christian, being a follower, a believer, well, it's a journey. It's a lifestyle. And we must remember that Jesus established some principles of discipleship to help us on that journey. When Jesus walked the earth, he expected every person that followed him to take that seriously. He, he doesn't hide his words. He doesn't mince things. There's not a bait and switch with Jesus. There's no fine print that we read later and be like, wait a minute. I didn't know this was in there. No, he is very clear from the beginning. If you would follow me, if you would come after me, deny yourself, pick up your cross and come after me. He made it clear. He wasn't interested in attracting a big crowd just so that he could brag on numbers. You know, Jesus wanted to transform people into sold out, radically committed disciples. I just said it, Matthew 16, 24. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Luke 14. And whoever does not bear his cross can, cannot come after me and cannot be my disciple. Dr. J. Cook says in his book, To Be a Disciple, you can find plenty of occasions mentioned in the Bible where Jesus challenged people to make serious commitments, not half-hearted ones. And he still wants us to do the same. We must be willing to pay the cost of discipleship. Discipleship is, is a mandate for us as Christ followers. We do not have a choice. It's, it's not a suggestion. In young life, we used to say we didn't have rules. We had strong suggestions. Well, this isn't a strong suggestion. This is a mandate. His kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, must be built on a solid biblical principles that assure that every believer has a solid foundation. Dr. Cook, in his sermon, How a Disciple Lives, asked this question, do you know the what the difference is between a believer and a disciple? And his answer then answers it like this, a believer is someone who believes in Jesus. They may or may not attend church regularly. They may or may not study the, the Bible, the scriptures, or pray, or give tithes and offerings, and so on. They may or may not have said a prayer asking Jesus to actually save them. A believer believes in Jesus, but may or may not have allowed Jesus to transform them. So it's tricky to determine whether or not a believer is really a believer, I guess we could say. After all, Satan believes in Jesus too. A disciple, however, is someone who is fully committed to obeying Jesus in every part of their life. Jesus is not part of their life. You see, Jesus is their life. Disciple means learner. And in the New Testament days, a disciple gave up everything in order to follow their master. A disciple is what Jesus calls us to become. So let's look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20, otherwise known as the Great Commission. And let's pay close attention to this word make. So here's God's word. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything as I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Before his ascension, the ascend to move, climb, to go upward, the, 
the body a bodily ascending of Jesus from earth to heaven, Jesus gave some practical directives or some words, translations, orders, commands, directions for us, the church, capital C, big C, church. Essentially, spread the gospel. Share the story. Share your story, which is part of God's story. God's story, which is part of yours, intricately entwined. Share the story. Tell people. Live it. The command, disciple or make disciples. You see, God's primary plan for the church, big C, down to the church, little c, is to make disciples. Discipleship is that primary thrust of the Great Commission. And that Greek word for disciple is is math, mathetis, which means learner or pupil, someone who learns by following. And Christ wants to use all of his body, the church, in the disciple-making process. We have to realize it takes all types of Christians to reach all types of people who are not yet Christians. And God's primary plan for the church is for the disciples of Jesus to develop other men and women into being disciples. There's probably no other more primary matter of negligence in the church today than perhaps our failure to follow the Lord's command to develop disciples. Because of this neglect, lots of believers think of themselves as an audience to be entertained rather than an army ready to move. You see, we have somehow landed, primarily in our culture, this idea that church has got to be in this entertaining place. Come and entertain me. I need great music. I need coffee that tastes really good. I need comfortable chairs. I need someone that's dynamic in the pulpit. We need to be entertained. But discipleship must function as the heart of the church of ministry. We are not to be spectators, but participants. So there's four characteristics that would describe a disciple. First of all, someone that remains, remains in Jesus, walking with Christ, not not perfection, progress. Pastor Yancey, Rex Yancey says, not where I need to be, but I am not who I used to be. John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So so one characteristic of the disciples is that we remain. We remain in and with Jesus. Secondly, obedience, to obey. The Great Commission is that we have not, not really made disciples if we have not taught them to obey. No discipline without training and no training without accountability. Accountability is, is key here. God, spiritual leaders, and one another, believers. Accountability, obedience. So first of all, remain. Remain in Jesus. Secondly, be obedient to Jesus. Thirdly, that there would be spiritual fruit. There would be bearing it out. You can recognize a disciple by the results produced in their own life and the lives of, the, of others, the folks around them. It's a hard issue, right? It's Jesus versus Jesus in, in versus actions or versus in, in us. It's, it's living this out, which brings to a great question. Who are we discipling? Who are we pouring our life into? So first of all, we have 
remain, remain in Jesus. Secondly, we have to, uh, as a characteristic of a disciple, is to be obedient to Jesus. Thirdly, there's going to be some spiritual fruit. And fourthly, that there would be a glorifying of God. Our lives must be credible, something that would bring God glory. So our question then, based on those four characteristics, are we a follower or a disciple? Follower being the sense that that what we defined earlier is this believer. William Barclay, the Gospel of Luke, says this, It is possible to be a follower of Jesus without being a disciple, to be a camp follower without being a soldier of the king, to be a hanger-on in some great work without pulling one's weight, once someone has, was talking to a great scholar about a younger man, he said, so-and-so tells me that he was one of, your, one of your students. And the teacher answered devastatingly, he may have attended my lectures, but he was not one of my students. There is a world of difference between attending lectures and being a student. It is one of the supreme handicaps of the church that in the church there are so many distant followers of Jesus and so few real disciples. What are we going to be? Are we going to be a disciple? Or are we going to be a follower? Again, those characteristics that, that hit at what a disciple is, someone who remains in Jesus, someone who is obedient to Jesus, someone who has a life that, that shows spiritual fruit and someone that brings glory to God. Hear God's word again in closing as we read Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has, given, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. And God bless.